This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. everybody welcome to why is everyone yelling with Lindsay Hine I am your host Lindsay and I'm so grateful you are joining us today I hope you feel encouraged and supported in this episode this is a podcast for parents and my goal is that you feel like you walk away with a big hug and a little dose of I'm not alone because <laughs> parenting is really hard in all of these conversations I hope you feel that today my guest is a guest who has been on the show before Allie Payne, she was episode 118, just a few weeks back, where we talked about healthy communication with our kids, specifically as they get into the teen years. And today we do talk about communication again in this episode, but we talk about how to communicate with our kids when they had a big test or they had a big performance. And Allie really shares about how it's important that we are not outcome focused. Allie is a parenting expert and she helps parents end baffling blowups and painful disconnection with their teens to build trust and respect. She is a certified relationship coach for families. I loved having Allie back on the show and I hope you enjoy this conversation. This podcast episode is supported by Gooder. These are the best sunglasses out there. They have functional, fashionable shades that are affordable and they don't break easily. That's important. Um, I can just throw them in my purse and they're good to go. You all can save 15% when you go to gooder.com slash another and just use the code another at checkout for 15% off your order. When you support sponsors of this podcast, you are supporting the work that goes into the show. So for that, I thank you. And don't forget when you leave a rating and review on Apple iTunes, you are entered to win a pair of free Gooder sunglasses. I pull all the new ratings and reviews every single month and pull a winner. So you can just do that on your iTunes app. Thanks so much for being here. Enjoy my conversation with Allie. All right. Well, back on the show today, I'm so excited to welcome Allie Payne. Welcome back to Why Is Everyone Yelling? (gasps) Thank you. I love your show. Thank you so much. You're one of those guests that I, we got off the call and I was like, I'm sorry, we just have to do more. Like we cannot fit this all in. Part two, part two. (laughs) Yes. Well, we recorded before the holidays though. So how were your holidays? Um, they were good, quiet. Um, the kids were both home, so that was good. It was nice to all be in the same house and play some games and they're besties. They hang out most of the time. I'm kind of chopped liver. So Yeah. Okay, let's start right there really quick, though, because I just have to ask what it's like being home with your kids coming home and giving them space, but also wanting to be around them all the time because you love them so much and you probably miss them. Yeah, it's hard because, you know, they are um, adults now. They're young adults. They have their own friends. They have a relationship between the two of them as they're night and day, but they're literally besties. And so they're hanging out, going out in the evenings, doing activities all the time. And um, even just in the daytime, they're, they're doing things together. And so what we say is this, we say, look, we would like to have like a couple game nights. It was about a 10 day overlap where the four of us were in the house. In those 10 days, we'd like to have a couple family dinners and a couple game nights. 
So we, we set the expectation in advance instead of kids coming at them like an octopus, like you ate arms and you have tentacles and you like, they're like, get away. So we just set it right up front that this is what we'd like. We're open for times and dates. You guys have a better social life than I have. So you let us know what works for you. And then, and then anything that happens on top of that is kind of gravy. But by asking for that up front, everyone is really present when it's happening instead of they can't wait to leave. Totally. I mean, and that's one of the things we talk about on this podcast so much from a young age is like setting expectations ahead of time. Yeah. yeah. With Absolutely. video games, anything you do, it's like if they know ahead yeah. of time what to expect. And acknowledging the fact that they are adults. I don't own their time when they're home for the holidays. Like they're, they're adults legally. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to like watch this progression as my kids get older. I mean, not that we're anywhere close to them being gone, but realizing that, oh my gosh, I, I, you know, when I was a young adult or even a teenager or like 1920, I don't think I realized, did my parents want to hang out with me? You know what I mean? Like, and maybe my parents just were really good at giving me space, but I didn't ever feel this like, oh my gosh, I feel guilty that I'm not hanging out with my parents, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. We had, we had card, card games. We did card games in our family, but I wouldn't say um, that those continued through the late teen years or I, I can't recall exactly if it happened when I was home from university, et cetera. But that's what we would do is my mom would make a bowl of popcorn and we put it on the table and um, we would play uh, like crib or hearts or whist or um, but there was probably much fewer of those as our late teen, early adult years. Well, one of the things we're going to talk about today is how to talk to our kids about how their day went, how the test went, how the violin <laughs> violin lesson went, all the all the things without being too intrusive, but like wanting them to know that we care. So right. can you kick us off with maybe appropriate ways to talk to our kids about asking them how things went when, you know, we're waiting for like test results and things like that? Yeah. So I feel really strongly about this. So I'm just like giving a verbal warning to maybe make sure your eyebrows are taped on because here I go. <laughs> um, our culture's current obsession with external performance markers as a means of being deemed lovable and worthy is toxic. It is increasing mental health challenges in children. And it is lowering self-esteem. The date that started, if you want it, the data point that actually started in the early 80s when um, the United States president, of which I do not know his name off the hand, um, he decided he noticed what was going on in Asian countries in education. And he decided to do a nationwide test to see how the American education system and the children were doing in comparison with Asian countries. The test did not come back terrible, but American children were not performing quite as high, okay? That was in about 82. And that started what we all know now is this ridiculous obsession. So that created less play-based education as young children. It created standardized testing. It created uh, far more emphasis on grades, SATs, 
et cetera. And then from the United States, of course, I'm in Canada, it quickly spread to that I grew up in the 80s. So this, that's where it came from. Okay. And then it spread into Europe. So I'm going to tell you it's unhealthy. And it's not it's not cool. It's not good. So even though that's likely how you were raised, I am not dissing anybody. Okay. What I'm saying is if you are going to ask your child and your most important question for them in the day is how their test went, or if they scored a goal, or how that exam, how did they do? You are missing out on your child because what your child hears is you don't love me. What you love is what I do for you. What you love is how I make you look. You don't see me or care about me. You care about what I do and what I achieve. And this is part of the really messed up um, parenting paradigm that started even before the 80s, where um, parenting has been conflated with morality. Mm. Also BS, complete BS. And so that you put that on top of how we this obsession with our kids performance, and we are going down a really bad path. And we are driving the train that our kids are falling off of. Okay, so you know, say your kid does have a test. And they okay. work, they worked really hard and they mm. are either really excited because they did well or whatever. I'm curious, what would you say is a good response to cheer them on, celebrate with them, make sure they know you're proud of them either way, as long as they worked hard, uh, right. how should we be communicating that? Because, you know, you do want to celebrate your kid working hard. That's an awesome thing, but sure. I mean, what I'm hearing from you is you don't want the outcome of that hard work to be what's celebrated. Correct. Correct. And even then there is a hiccup in that. So, okay. So instead of saying to your child every, every day, how was that test? How'd your exam go? How did the, which I did a TikTok on that went quite hot. Um, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I, what if we just said to our, our kids, like, how, how did your day go? Now, I get that in the teen years, you're going to get a lot of the four letter word, you're going to get a lot of fine, fine, fine. But the more that you are curious about their day and stop asking about your way to reinforce your own self esteem, the more likely you are to get something. So what was what did you like about your day? What's one thing that went well? What's one thing that was annoying, or you didn't and just leave it at that. Okay, now, that's how to ask about their day. That's one thing. How do you ask, like, or if they had a test or an exam or something, then you can say, how do you feel about it? Not how did it go? Not how did it go? How do you feel about your test today? Like, ah, yeah, you know what? It was hard. Um, but I think I did okay. Great. Good for you. You know, I saw you studying this weekend. And I know there's probably 100 other things that are more fun you'd rather do. And I'm really proud of you for making that a priority. Mm, I love that. Now, in that conversation, do I know how the test went? No. Right. Does it matter? What matters is how they feel about it. Because that's where they do the feedback loop of, hmm, did I study enough? Did I study the right thing? Should I have asked more questions in class? They're, I'm helping their prefrontal cortex to develop that critical thinking, not driving home. My love is conditional as to whether or not you perform. So 
how did you feel about the exam today? You know, it is a great one, but don't keep asking it every day because you're just pretending you're not performance obsessed when really you are. Mm. Okay. So there's that. <clears throat> yes, definitely acknowledge effort. And again, that I know that's a subject you don't like. And I, I saw that you studied this weekend and I'm proud of you. Okay. So a little bit of acknowledgement that it does suck. Kids don't think school is relevant. There's a ton of other things they'd rather be doing. Just acknowledge that, okay? But here's the hitch when it comes to the mental health card. And I again, I get this every single day in my work. Oh, I don't care about my kids' grades as long as they're at least trying hard. Mm. Well, trying hard is rather subjective, mm. isn't it? Because mm -hmm. what you're saying is as long as they're treating it with the importance that I believe it should be treated, then I love you. But if not, you're going to be consequenced and punished. Okay, so then we're right back into the whole performance thing. It's a it's the same it's the same argument. It's just a it's a you think you're not performance based thinking, but that's performance based thinking. Because if your child is dealing with depression, temporary depression symptoms, which by the way, hopelessness, which is when children have eventually internalized that they are a failure, not that they struggle at a certain subject, but they are the problem. Hopelessness shows up as depression-like symptoms. You get anxiety, you get school avoidance. Um, now, do you not love your child because they're not trying hard enough in quotes? So be very careful of that little trap because when a child reaches hopelessness or depression or ADHD or, or whatever, your impression or expectation of trying hard enough is the same as crapping on them because they're not performing the way you want them to. So be very careful because as a depressed child or as, um, you know, for me, I got to a point in my grade 11 year where just showing up literally just because I was skipping so much school because I was so afraid I was, a, I was a runaway train. I didn't know what to do. I had no support um, that not showing up was the only way I could deal with it. It was just to avoid it. So showing up, just showing up was effort. How do we encourage our kids to work hard? That is where you need to consistently, and this is studies done by Dr. Brené Brown and, and but uh, C.R. Snyder did this in the 1990s, early 90s, is around hope. Okay. Okay. Hope is not a feeling. Hope is a way of thinking. It is a way of behaving. Hopefulness can be measured. It's quantifiable in people. And it is taught. It is a learned skill at home. As is hopelessness. The one defining factor between whether someone becomes hopeful in their life, resilient, courageous, confident, try, takes risks, and, 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 you know, puts in the effort, as opposed to someone who is hopeless. The one defining factor is internalizing failure. Mm. And this is what our effed up performance-based thinking is continuing to reinforce unknowingly. That when a child works hard, because hello, it happens. Can we please not make up this ridiculous story that if you work hard, everything's going to go well? Mm. Can, we, can we stop that now? Have you ever studied for an exam 
And then either the teacher didn't give you what you were actually supposed to study or what you studied was not on the exam. Does that mean that you didn't work hard? Does that mean at the Olympics that everyone who didn't win the gold medal didn't train hard? Mm -hmm. BS. What we need to do to, to encourage our kids to try is let them know that the result does not reflect their value or worth as a human being, nor to you in the way you will love them. So we're fighting these two battles. You want your kid to try and you want them to put in the effort, but we're in this ridiculously performance obsessed culture that is shutting down their effort. Mm -hmm. And I go back to, you can pick the mental health card or you can pick the performance card. The one you pick is going to be distinctly uh, inform the outcome. And you can have both, but you better pick the mental health card. So that means saying things like, I am really proud of you for trying. What do you think? Don't make, don't make stories about the outcome. What do you think of what would happen? Like, ah, you know, I'm okay with it. I don't like that subject. I'm never going to go into that. I'm fine with it. I, and you'd be like, okay, great. I'm proud of you for, for putting in the effort and for knowing that this is something that you just need to get through and you're not letting it ruin your day or, you know, whatever. Great. You know, and that, or they put in the effort and they, they do amazing. Don't tie the effort to the, to the performance. Good for you. How do you feel about yourself? What's the story you are making up about that external performance? Well, I worked really hard at that and I'm, that's the best grade I've ever gotten. I'm so proud of my, I'm so, and I'm like, then you can say, I'm so darn proud of you. Good for you. And if they can say, I worked really hard at that. And I find that subject's really easy. So it's kind of like, meh. You're like, you know what? Good for you. Because you're understanding the level of effort required to put in to get the result that matters to you, that you value. You're tying effort to value, not effort to, to grade and performance. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And that their effort and the story they make up about their effort has nothing to do with their value as a human being. That failure and struggle is a normal part of growing up as a, as a human. I mean, look at every movie, every TV show. Uh, none of them would be blockbusters if there wasn't some major struggle or some character curve. So why do we crap on our kids when they're having a major struggle or character curve? That's normal. Do you know that hopefulness is only built, can only come from failure and struggle? But it's the way they perceived it reflected on themselves that they had them go the hopefulness route as opposed to the hopelessness route all right friends i gotta take a quick break here and tell you about this lash therapy that i've been using it has been a game changer for my eyelashes i basically like had hardly any eyelashes at all before i started using lash therapy by hello skincare i did not have high hopes that this would work very well and my goodness, it has totally changed how my eyelashes look. I'm not a huge makeup person either, but having more thick, full eyelashes has made me feel a lot better. Um, you can step up your game in just 60 days. It does not take 60 days. I, I feel like I noticed a difference within two weeks. You'll have longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes using Lash Therapy by Hello Skincare. 
uh, you can save too, 15% when you go to helloskincare.com. When you check out, use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-H-2-0. They also have a C serum that I use in the morning and a night serum that I use every night. You can buy the package of three. But if you're only going to buy one product from them and you're going to start somewhere, start with that lash therapy. And let me know what you think. I'm serious. These results are crazy. HelloSkincare.com. Use the code LindsayH20 for 15% off your first order. All right, friends, back to the show. So, okay, we're working with a kid who is a perfectionist. Right. Who always wants to get everything right. And that's like you as the parent are okay with things not he or she not getting everything right. How do you talk to them about that? Because I guess some people are wired that way. More nature versus nurture. And so I'm curious how you're working with how you would work with a kid that is just kind of like wired that way. Right. So, okay. So this is a great point because again, I am not into parent shaming. Um, uh, I, I know as much as I'm passionate about this stuff is I'm more passionate that we don't have this information readily than I am about against anybody. So let me first just read a definition for you. Um, because as you said, perfectionist perfectionism thinking is environmental as well as personality driven but I want to make a really clear distinction for you a high achieving child is a healthy striving toward growth and bettering oneself setting goals to achieve something meaningful you must have hope to do that Mm. overachieving or perfectionist is an unhealthy fear driven towards something which is unachievable, working unreasonably hard to avoid something happening. That is more likely driven by hopelessness. Okay. So when you're parenting a high achieving child, great. I had high ach- a high achieving child and I would actually say, you know what? You don't need to do that homework. I will write you a note. You already have 96% in that class. Go do your sports. Go do your thing. You're not doing that. I would sign them out of homework assignments. You want to come at me? Go ahead. How about you go after the kid who's not getting the 96%, okay? So that they weren't stressing themselves out. I'd say, like, set your timer. Do half an hour. You know you're going to do fine on that exam. You know what you're talking about. I would really start to lower what they needed to do. A perfectionist child, which I also had, one of my oldest is ADHD and on the autism spectrum. So perfectionism is very, very, um, very common in autistic um, children. Um, We had to also dial things back. What we have to do again is remember they're doing this to avoid the fear of failure. So it's exactly what I've been talking about. So what you need to do is normalize struggle and fear. I need you to talk about over and over and over every single failure you've made, every time you fell flat on your face. I need you to model trying new things. Play the piano, be terrible at it. Mm -hmm. I need you to model being terrible at things and going, oh, well, I tried. Look at what I learned. Look at what I did. I need you to model not needing to get it right. I need you to model removing your own need to perform to feel good about yourself. I need you to model that I am a whole, capable, and amazing, delightful human being when I lay on the couch and do nothing all day. 
I need you to talk about. And so when you've got your perfectionistic child, yes, you want to say, I'm proud of you for your effort. And I would be proud of you if you did nothing as well, because nothing you can do will have you be unlovable to me. Nothing you can do will have you have me remove my love or admiration and respect for you as a human, because my love for you is not based on what you achieve. And this is particularly um, common right now in social media, when, when especially young girls, although it's certainly for young boys as well, that they are um, comparing themselves 24 seven to these images and, and false um, standards that are unrealistic and, and unachievable that we have to verbalize our own struggle with diet culture as an example, you know, or climbing the corporate ladder and, and waiting for someone else's approval to decide that we are a worthy human being. We've got to start, start talking about that and what really does define our worth and what it feels like to fail and being in that scary mess because those perfectionistic children, generally speaking, have had messages where failure is shame, it is a cut on your character, you're unlovable, um, you won't get the best, be the best. And it's it's really, it's really scary to watch it happen. Um, and it's subtle and it is not a fault of parenting. I just wanna say that again, it's not a fault of parenting, but you can help turn it around. Mm. You know, it's interesting earlier, you brought up Olympians. And like, you know, not everybody's only one person wins the gold medal. Everybody yeah. was working hard. Yeah. It'd be so interesting to get a study of, and I'm sure there's one out there of Olympians or athletes at that level and how their parents like worked with them and walked with them when they were young, you know, cause the kids that are going off to be Olympians, most of them are training. I'm, I'm thinking of gymnasts a lot. You, you got to be training hard when you're like six, you know? Yep. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of mental health issues with, you know, athletes at that level. And I'm just so curious, like if you could get a sample of athletes and parents and kind of look at what would breed the healthiest athlete mind and body. Yeah. And there is studies on that. I'm not sure if it's in Malcolm Gladwell's outliers oh. or, um, yeah, there is studies on that. So actually, um, my ex-husband was an Olympian for 15 years and he won a silver medal. And so I've gone through a lot of this and, and, um, as a child, he wasn't necessarily a super high achiever. He actually decided he wanted to go to the Olympics at 20 years old, which is very late. And he's yeah. in a sport of skeleton, which is not really an age related sport, but, um, being around Olympians for, for a couple decades, um, you know, and hearing like from Kyle Schufeld, who was the only Canadian men to win a, a gold medal in um, artistic gymnastics um, and him on the podium getting his medal. And he wasn't like, oh, my gosh, this is so amazing. I put in the effort. I won the gold medal. Do you know, want to know what he was thinking when that medal was going around his neck and our anthem was playing? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Who am I now? Who am I? I've worked for this for for 15 years and now I have it. Now what do I do? What do I yeah. do? What do I do? He didn't know what he was. Um, my my ex-husband, he crashed for uh, 10, 10, 13 months after he retired. 
didn't know who he was, didn't know what was going on. It is because their sole focus and every day has been so structured. It's a lot like the military. Um, every day and every quadrennial has been so structured that they no longer know, they, they don't have a sense of purpose anymore because what they thought was purpose was a destination goal-based. So they've confused purpose with destination goal. And, and it's, it's very difficult. And, and again, it goes that whole, like you said, that whole performance-based thinking that we, that the, the athletes who do the best after their career, mm-hmm. whether they've been um, incredibly and, you know, infinitesimally successful or not, are those that understand that they had worth and value outside of their sport, that as much as that was their whole focus. In fact, Wayne Gretzky did these studies too, that, that single sport athletes are not healthy. And these, these, People had hobbies and things outside of their sports. They knew their whole value and worth did not come from that sport. Gosh, it's I'm imagine if you have a kid who shows extreme talent in one sport, it is such a frustrating thing that um, our culture does go all in like that on one sport. Yes. Because yes, it is. you want your kid to experience lots of different things. But then if they do have this talent and they do love it, you also want to provide them with the opportunity to keep up. And so, or to play in college, if that's what their dreams are. And so there's this like really tough balance there because you want both for them. You want them to fulfill that if that's what they, if that's their dream, not your dream, but you also Mm. don't want them to go, you know, not have other experiences. Right. But that's the problem right there. Your last sentence, because we're in such a performance obsessed culture, their dream becomes your dream. Mm -hmm. And I, and I was talking to a gorgeous mama about this the other day, and this is so common. Your child says they want to do something nine, 10 years old, they get into something and they're actually quite good at it and they like it and they're having fun at it. You as the parent are already projecting into the future what that's going to look like. Mm -hmm. And it's becoming your dream. And worse yet, when children, and my my youngest did this, he was a black belt in Taekwondo by the time he was 11. And he wanted to quit. Mm. And his dad and I were like, I mean, his dad's an Olympian, right? His dad and I were like, (laughs) what? You can't quit. That's crazy talk. He wanted to quit six months before he got his black belt. Sorry. And we're like, nobody, that's like, quitting a degree at one or one course short of a degree. Like nobody does that. And we had to have some serious discussions with ourselves. Serious discussions. Yeah. Who is this really about? Yeah. And we let it go. And we said, okay, if you want to finish your black belt, we think it would be a great exercise for you to have that self-esteem to finish. And we respect that he's 11. Okay. Actually he was 10 and a half. We respect this as your choice. Here's what we do know is if you choose to leave Taekwondo, we're not going to like sit around. So we'll give you like three or four months to pick another activity. um, And then we'll, we'll go into that, but we need to have at least one activity. We're not just going to sit around. And Taekwondo was three times a week at that point, right? Like he he was in a high level and he thought about it for a couple of weeks and he came, I remember, I'll never forget it. He walked up from the basement one day and I was sitting on the couch and he said to me, I've decided I'm going to complete. Oh, I've decided that it would be a good for me to know what it's like to finish. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And that was a very, very hard next six months because it's a very intensive training program for the black belt. And he had already decided he wanted to play lacrosse. So he was doing two things at once and it, he was exhausted and it was hard. I said, I will do everything I can to get you into every practice and every training. And then after we said, if you, if you decide to finish Taekwondo, which he did, he said, we said, we will never ask you to go to another class again, ever. We'll never even bring it up. And we talked to his instructors about it. And the instructor said, yeah, lots of kids quit by that time and then come back later. Mm. But this whole whose dream in it is it thing, um, this mama I was talking to because ki- she said like her, her kids expressed this. I want to go to music school. I want to go to this. I want to go to this. Then somewhere in puberty, their brain and their entire personality changes and they start behaving in a way that isn't on track with this dream. And the parents get mad. Mm-hmm. again, whose dream is it? They're allowed to change their minds. People say to me, but why did you let him quit? I'm like, he had done Taekwondo for five years. That was half his life. Yeah. It's enough. It's enough. Let it go. And this mom I was talking to, she was like getting mad because she was getting him all the tutoring. He needed all these courses to, to complete this thing that he might've said he loved for a couple of years. And what she was trying to do was get hold of the dream that she decided she wanted, that he had decided as a junior, he didn't really want anymore. Mm-hmm. Wasn't sure if it was him. And I said, you got to get back on your son's team. You do the grieving. It's very real. When you when your child decides to quit a high level, anything do the grieving and then love your child and help support them in whatever is important to them now. And they're like, but they won't, but the the dream, this won't happen. This okay. How many times in your life have you set out to achieve a goal? And number one, you achieved it. And then you were like, oh, well, this isn't what I thought it was. This isn't actually what I wanted, right? Or that job you wanted or whatever. And then how many times have you gone to set out to achieve the goal and it didn't work? But because it didn't work, you met this other person who mentored you here and then you got this job and you got it. You don't know your teenager's timeline. You don't know their life. You do not have a crystal ball. Stop trying to make it up. Stop trying to direct and control it to fit what you believe is their future. You have no idea. Because if your life had been that linear, you would probably not even have that child to be married to that person. So true. Um, oh, it's so funny. You were saying that it got me thinking about the game shoots and ladders. Cause every time we go down the shoots with my four-year-old, I'm like, yes. it's, it could be a good thing because your next move, you could get a really big ladder. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. And she said this mama, she said to me, she's like, you know what? That's so true. In fact, the music program he's in right now isn't the one that we were hoping he would get into, but the teacher has taken such a liking to him and mentored him in a way that we never could have imagined. And it's already shifting and changing. I'm like, yeah, think about times in your life that happened. And we talked few, a few things. And she was like, yeah, I see it. I'm forcing the dream because I got attached to how it was going to look. And it's hard for parents, especially when there might be a monetary value to that, that they have the opportunity for an education that isn't otherwise in the financial budget. And they're like, but they're going to miss this opportunity. And then I can't afford to get to like, "Mm -hmm." they might, that's their journey. You are not a bad parent. 
for, but again, you can have the performance card or the mental health card. Yeah. Are you going to teach them that you love them no matter what? And they're going to have whatever natural consequences they have, and they're going to walk whatever path, but you're going to be beside them. You're riding shotgun. Well, and it's important for them to have natural consequences. Like you can't protect, like that's you also showing up and not protecting them from what happens in life. Right. But it's not shaming them because of it. Yeah. It's not saying, well, it wouldn't have happened if you just worked harder. Well, that wouldn't, that's shaming. Instead of saying, huh, how about that? So what what are we going to do about that now? <laughs> you know what? It got me thinking too. One of my favorite guests on this show. I don't know if you know, Michelle Icard. She does. She wrote the book 14 talks before age 14. Oh yeah. Yes, yes, yes. She's written several, but um, one of my favorite things she talks about is like, Hey, when your kids get old enough that they're like starting to do that, like thing where they don't want to be with you all the time and blah, blah, blah. You need to make sure you have some hobbies. (laughs) Yeah. Like have some thing. And so when you start feeling, it just has me thinking when you start feeling like what you thought their dream was is now your dream for them. Yes. Yes. Start dreaming for yourself a little bit more. Right. Yeah. You know, which, because I think we do that. We, we tend to like, Cause we obviously we want the best for our kids. We want them to have these like awesome lives, but like get back to like what your hobbies are and your dreams are. Right. Right. Because if our identity is based on our children and their performance in the world, I'm going to tell you they are being set up to fail so badly. It's not even funny. And it's not enjoyable for you or them like life, you know? But it is what our culture is perpetuating. Ugh. It is that whole parenting conflated with morality. And because of the insecurity that we were raised in mm-hmm. our entire generation, that our worth is based on those around us and we are responsible for everyone's feelings, we are continuing that. So we are either going to stand up and be the cycle breaker that says, that's enough not with me and not with my children and allow them to pave a path that is their own, that they know I'm here for them. When my son falls flat on his face in an exam and I'm like, God, I'm so sorry. Like, yeah, tell me about it. What what happened? What was it like? Yeah. And then he'll text me the next day and be like, so I went to the teacher and said, please, will you consider me having a rewrite? And sometimes he'll get yes, but I don't tell him to do that's on him. But what he knows is I'm there and I love him and I am a safe place for him. No matter how he performs, that's irrelevant. Good. All right, Allie, we already did end a podcast last time, so we can't do it again, but I will, (laughs) I will ask you, we, we can always wrap with a last message because there is a last message for this topic in particular. So what is your last message for parents who are walking through these issues that we've talked about today? You are already an amazing parent, period. You do not need your child to prove that. You're already an amazing parent. And if you can believe that for one second, two seconds, that you are already amazing, how might that change how you parent your child as an autonomous, incredible, and delightful human being who cannot and will not succeed under the weight of attempting to always please or verify you. Love it. Thank you, Allie. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to be here, Lindsay. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Allie, for coming back on the show. We appreciate you so much. You all can find Allie on Instagram. She's Allie, A-L-Y, Payne over there. And you can learn more on her website at AllyPayne.com, A-L-Y-Payne.com. You can find me, I'm LindsayHine626 on Instagram, at LindsayHine on Twitter. And you can learn more about all the shows in the Sandy Boy Productions podcast network at SandyBoyProductions.com. Check out Gooder Sunglasses, gooder.com slash another. Use the code another for 15% off your order. And check out that lash therapy at Hello Skincare, helloskincare.com. Use the code LindsayH20 for 15% off the lash therapy or the C serum or the nighttime serum. Go get that lash serum though. It's amazing. All right, friends. Thanks for being here. And we'll see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling? <laughs>